weekend. We're going to enter into our worship service now and spend some time singing some songs and exalting our Lord and Savior. Won't you stand with us and worship with us as we sing?
may be seated for a moment. We want to take this opportunity to welcome everybody. And uh, thank you so much for being here on this 4th of July Sunday. And uh, we are certainly celebrating our independence as a nation. But we're certainly also celebrating our dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad he's here today. I told our worship team I'm glad he doesn't go out of town and on vacation and all that. Uh, skip out on holidays. He's here with us today, and we're certainly glad you're here. Those of you joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, welcome. We're glad to have you here today at Grace Church as well. If I may today, we're so thrilled, uh, Sister Murph and I are so thrilled to have with us our neighbors. And uh, we're glad to have Alan and Monica here this morning that live across the fence, a few hundred feet across the fence. And uh, we're glad they're here today uh, in church with us. Amen. Thank the Lord. As a matter of fact, it's a small world. When we first met uh, these folks, uh, she asked me, did I know Jerry and Lynette? Well, when somebody asks you that question, then that means you're supposed to know Jerry and Lynette. And I'm thinking Jerry Lynette, Jerry Lynette. She said Hutchison, brother and sister Hutchison that were here last Sunday. Monica and their daughter are best friends and have been best friends for a long time. And I thought, what a small world uh, that we would uh, actually move in next door. Wonderful neighbors, and we're so glad to have them here with us this morning. Let me make a few announcements. Uh, <clears throat> we want to remind you that camp meeting uh, begins uh, on July 6th on Tuesday in Tioga. Those of you that can go, please go. Uh, they expect it to be very well attended. As you know, because of COVID last year, they were not able to have camp meeting. I, I guess that's the first one that's ever been canceled. Uh, this one's 106. So in 106 years, I guess this is the first time they've had to cancel camp meeting. And uh, so this, this coming up week, it's, it's, they expect it to be very well attended. Folks are really hungry and, and anxious to get back on the campground for camp meeting a great lineup of speakers if you cannot go uh, then it'll certainly be live streamed uh, especially the night services and uh, so we're going to dismiss this coming Wednesday night if you can't attend uh, camp meeting on campus then you can certainly watch the service on live stream so no Bible study here this coming Wednesday night and uh, so take advantage of that to watch a little bit of uh, a camp meeting and then uh, this coming Sunday, a week from today, July the 11th, uh, She's for Christ, all of us old, po all the old people know she's, uh, she's for Christ is this great offering we do every year to support mainly our foreign missionaries, uh, but even our church planners here in the States and so many other things. Uh, that, that label has been changed to move the mission. It's not She's for Christ anymore, but they call it move the mission now. Well, this coming Sunday, we're going to have our first Move the Mission uh, fundraiser. It'll be immediately after church. It's going to be a jambalaya dinner, and uh, the purchase will be $8. And uh, you can go to our church app and purchase your, uh, your dinner. But it's going to have white beans and dessert. And I think uh, Brother Troy will be doing the jambalaya. Is that right? Somebody can help me with that. I think he is. If he is then uh, you'll not want to miss that. I think him and his dad are probably the best jambalaya cookers uh, we know uh, beyond any question. So remember our announcements. 
and uh, let the Lord continue to move here today. We're going back into our worship set. Worship the Lord this morning as the praise team sings.
Oh
you what God will do here today will be more, far more important than what we will do the rest of the day when church is over. There's no question about it. Thank the Lord. Again, we're glad all of you are here and uh, we're certainly thrilled today to have uh, Kay Sutton with us and Donna, Rebecca, and Reagan. We're so glad to have you folks here today as well. As a matter of fact, let's welcome all of our guests today, shall we? We're so glad that you folks are here Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. You can be seated for a moment. We'll turn to the word of the Lord in a moment, but uh, there's a couple of things that we want to talk about before we go into the word of the Lord. I've been blessed as pastor, uh, so very blessed with a uh, tremendous, tremendous ministry team. I refer to them as my ministry team, and uh, they have assisted me and worked with me on so many things. And uh, but the the awesome privilege and pleasure, I suppose, of, of having ministers in the church, and uh, we we have ministers in our church, and 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 have had even more in times past. But uh, sometimes, when you have ministers in your church, it comes that time when uh, God calls them to go elsewhere. And uh, Brother Merrill, for example, him and Sister Christy moved to Jefferson City, Tennessee several years ago. They started a church there uh, doing a phenomenal job. As a matter of fact, one of our other men on our ministry team, Jason Cooper, is preaching for him this morning. And uh, so we're real excited about that. Uh, Brother Earl Wheeler, as you all know, a little over a year ago, moved to West, West Baton Rouge Parish, has started a church there. We're real excited about that. And as a matter of fact, uh, Sister Murphy and I preached for him just a couple of Sundays ago on his one-year pastoral anniversary. So we're always excited and thankful. We're privileged to have ministers come. And as heartbreaking, heart-wrenching as it is, uh, uh, sometimes we have to say goodbye as they go on to do uh, what God has called them to do elsewhere. And such is the case today with uh, Mark and Brianna Wheeler. Uh, they're going to be leaving us. feels like God has actually talked to him about ministering, actually staying right here in the area, but ultimately uh, will be leaving the area. And uh, so we want Brother Mark to come and address you just for a few moments before we preach the word of God today.
Well, thank you for that, Pastor. Uh, that is greatly appreciated, and I'm just going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag and give you the bad news first. We will be leaving. This will be our last service, and we are very, very heartbroken about that, but we are at the same time very eager and very, very excited to follow what God has called us to do. So we covered your prayers. We asked that you pray for us, but I just wanted to say a few quick words because Grace Church has meant so much to me. Um, I want to say a huge thank you to each and every one of you. You've welcomed Brianna and I into your homes, to your families, and for that, we're forever grateful. You supported us, you trusted us. You were kind, you were welcoming, and you were forever graceful to us. You had our backs and you gave us mercy when we needed to start our ministry, and we will never forget that. Thank you. To my young people's squad, I love each and every one of you more than you'll ever know. More than you'll ever know. I want to thank you for following me these past few years. That's been the world to me. I did my best to lead you in a direction that would help you grow in your life and in your relationship with Jesus. And I will forever cherish every moment that we had together, every baptism, every move of the spirit we had on Wednesday nights, every road trip, every hangout, every coffee run, every granola bar. Forever remember the altar services, praying with you in the conversations we had about the bright futures that each and every one of you have. I've done my best to give you everything I have. I've done my best to give you everything I have. And in return, you gave me the grace to grow. The understanding when I didn't have all the answers or say the perfect thing at the perfect time. And you trusted me even when it was difficult. And I want to thank you for that. To pastor and to the leadership of Grace Church, each and every one of you has left an imprint on my life. And you've made me better. You've all made me better. And I'm forever thankful for that. While Brianna and I will be leaving Grace Church, we will not be leaving the kingdom. So do not worry. We won't be strangers. We will be back to visit and we'll be back to help. We'll be back to see you guys grow and we will be cheering from you from Mid-City. So please keep us in your prayers. We'll be going to help a local startup church in Mid-City that God has called us to and we're going to build the kingdom together. We're going to build the kingdom together. Grace Church has forever been what I would reference an altar in my life. There are seasons, there are moments in life where you build altars to places where God has showed up and he's proven himself. And Grace Church will forever be an altar for me that I will visit frequently and that I will always, always remember. So we love each and every one of you and it's been a pleasure working with you to help build the kingdom and to grow this area. Please pray for us and if you ever need us, you know we're a phone call away. Our doors are always open. We love each and every one of you. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Let's give them some appreciation today. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for that, and we certainly will be praying for them. And I have no doubt, I have no reservation that they're going to continue to move forward and uh, accomplish the things that God has called them to accomplish. One of the first things Mark said when he started attending Grace Church is he said, I'll not be here forever. Uh, he said, we feel like this is just a temporary place that God will move us on to the ministry somewhere else at some point. And we talked about that. He came in to 
tell us they, were, they would be leaving. I, I mentioned that to him. I said, you said that when you came. I love just clear, open, and honest communication. And uh, it certainly prepares you for when this moment comes. And uh, we love you guys. Wish for y'all the very best. And we will certainly be praying for you. And thank you for all that y'all have done and contributed to Grace Church and, and time, talent, uh, finance, the things that you've contributed. Thank you so very much for that. Thank the Lord. Is uh, Brother Brady back in the house today? Brother Fastbinder, when he received the Holy Ghost, as I mentioned, I think Wednesday night he received the Holy Ghost last Sunday, uh, he went home and told his dad, I love church now. So we're not going to talk about what that meant prior. Uh, but anyway, but he was baptized today in the beautiful name of Jesus. Can you come up here, Brady? I have something for you. Thank the Lord. We are so proud for him and uh, proud for Brother Marty. This is a sweet, sweet family. And uh, you guys, uh, all you girls, y'all check him out. He's going to be a heartbreaker one day, I'm just saying. Uh, so he gets all embarrassed, but when he's about 18, y'all will see what I'm talking about. Thank the Lord. Happy for you, man. Receive the Holy Ghost. And we have a certificate here today that says you received the Holy Ghost. It would be last Sunday. And God filled you with the beautiful baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we have a certificate for you that says that you were baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus today. That's pretty cool, huh? Take it back there to your daddy, and he'll keep it for you, all right? God bless you, Brady. Good man. Thank the Lord. Don't you love Grace Church? Don't you love the Lord today? Thank the Lord. If you'll stand with me in honor to the Word of God, I do realize that today is July 4th. It's holiday, and y'all have a lot of plans, and I'm really not going to change that much different about today, but I, I do realize that today is July the 4th, I'm just saying. So um, I may preach a while. We'll just have to see how that goes. But I promise you I won't keep you more than two hours. I, I promise you that. So, uh, so that will be a good thing. I want to call your attention to the Word of God today. In John chapter 15, John chapter 15, and I'll begin reading with verse 1. <clears throat> Jesus is meeting with his disciples for the last time before his crucifixion. This is the most intimate conversation and teaching you will find of Jesus. It says with, with his disciples actually starts in John 14, but it goes through John chapter 16 on into 17. But this is just prior to his crucifixion. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, he said, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except you abide in me. Notice verse 5. He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. For without me, you can do nothing. 
I'm very serious with my title today. I'm very passionate about it. But I want to preach to you today for a little while the declaration of dependence. The declaration of dependence. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. Of course we know that today is July 4th, also known as Independence Day. It is about more than just fireworks and hot dogs. It's a national celebration of America's breakaway from Britain as we declared that a new nation had been formed. Of course, we had a fight on our hands, but the original 13 colonies became a new nation conceived in freedom and dedicated to the principle that all men are created equal. The Declaration of Independence was dated July the 4th, 1776. Soon after, it was joined by the other founding documents, the U.S. Constitution and a Bill of Rights that became the first ten amendments. The principles in these documents laid a strong foundation for the abolition, uh, abolition of slavery and America's rise to power as the freest and most exceptional country on earth where everyone can enjoy life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I thank God for America. The 4th of July is a time for hot dogs dawning red, white, and blue and for fireworks, but it is also time, a time to stop and reflect on this wonderful country of ours from literally sea to shining sea. A time to remember the foundation that our country was built on. A time to remember the courage our founding fathers displayed. And a time to appreciate the wonderful gift of freedom that we still enjoy to this day on a daily basis. And as challenging as the times are, I still believe that God loves our country. I still believe that God wants to bless our country. I still believe in the church, and I'm thankful for our wonderful community that we live in. May God bless America. And everybody said amen. But as I just mentioned, everything in America is not as peachy, perhaps, as we would all like for it to be. I read our superintendent's communique this week, and he put some very startling figures and statistics in his address to the, the ministers, pastors of the Louisiana district. He quoted, according to Mercer University, in the past year, the United States struggled with dramatic increases in domestic violence and a higher call rate of drug overdose. Calls to the thousands of crises hotlines are at an all-time high, with some reports of staggering spikes. For example, calls to the Los Angeles suicide and mental health hotlines have increased over last year eight thousand percent it has been predicted that the 
stress from COVID-19 will lead to as many as 75,000 additional deaths due to alcohol, drug misuse, and suicide. But perhaps nothing can equal what has been felt by the precious men, women, and children who have lost someone they deeply love because of COVID-19. According to a Barna research, he wrote, the Fuller Institute and Pastoral Care, Inc., across all religious denominations in America, listen to this. Over the last year, more than 4,000 churches closed their doors for good. Over 1,700 pastors left the ministry every month last year. 1,700 left the ministry. And over 3,500 people a day left the church last year and said they had no plans to return. I have a short answer for all of that very negative material that I just shared with you. And I believe the vast majority of it is because a lot of these people, perhaps most of these people, never understood the essentiality, the necessity of developing a dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I submit to all of you here today, there is far more to the content of faith and trust and hope than what we've dreamed and that what we've understood. There's more value to these, these three things when they're interacted through a quality relationship with Jesus Christ. I have found through the years, and yes, I've had my share of hard lumps as well as everybody else, but when I go through hard times, the first thing that I default to, the first thing that I automatically by nature, default to, is my dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. I can stand here and tell you of a surety that God has led me through many of a dark trial, dark situations, dark times, and very trying times. In our scripture setting today, I found it quite interesting that Jesus made this statement to his disciples. And I'd like for you to understand the weight and the priority of what, I'm, what I want to submit to you today. He made this statement that I am the vine and you are the branches. You understand you have the vine or the trunk and then you have the branch. If you cut the branch off, it dies. Jesus said, I'm the vine of your life. I'm the trunk of your life. He didn't mention roots. They're unseen. But that's another message, Bible study for another time. But he made a very bold statement. He made a statement that he never backed up from. He, he never chose to go into more depth with their knowledge of vineyards and fig trees and other vegetation, the disciples knew exactly what he was talking about. It needed no clarification. When he said, I am the vine, and you are the branches, without me you can do nothing. He knew exactly what he was talking about. 
God in his place of divinity from his throne in heaven or his presence enveloping the earth. He has seen men flail and flounder since he created man as man walked aimlessly on this planet with no relationship with God and he's watched scores of times as their lives ended up fruitless and to become ultimately a failure against the backdrop of eternity. So from just God's experience with man over the past 4,000 years up to this point, he knew what he was talking about. But he also knew as the world began to spiral downward into its future, as times would get more difficult and man getting along with man would get more challenging, Jesus even understood all the more that you're going to see times come saying to his disciples, you're going to see times come in the very near future that if you do not have a solid relationship with me, you're not going to make it. He made that very clear. What's interesting to me in this statement is where they had watched Jesus, they had been interacting with Jesus, they were eyewitnesses, Peter said, we were eyewitnesses to his majesty, where, where they were just such an integral part of his ministry. He watched them raise, he, they watched him raise the dead and cleanse lepers and open blind eyes. He did all of that. But he didn't make that statement about I'm the vine and you're the branches back then. He was about to embark upon a process where he could be perceived by his disciples and everyone around him as weak and fruitless himself, as having no ability to do anything of any consequence to impact someone's lives for good. He made the statement going in to where he would look the ugliest, the bloodiest, the most dependent, the most submitted. It seemed as Jesus was saying, and this is the point I want you to understand. When I, when you perceive me to be the weakest, when you perceive me to be the most inaccessible, when you perceive me to be dying, when you perceive me to not be the Almighty, when you don't see me casting out devils and raising the dead and cleansing lepers and making the lame walk and the blind see, when you don't see me doing any of that, it's even at that point that I am still the vine and you are the branches. And even when I am at my most, when you perceive me to be the most ineffective, it's even at that moment you still can't do anything without me. Amen. I've had times in my life, and so have you, to make this applicable to all of us here today. When I perceive God to be a thousand miles away, I have laid my hands on people and anointed them with oil and prayed with every ounce of faith I had, and it seemed that God did nothing. I have counseled with people and gave them the blatant truth of the word of God, and it seemed like it returned unto me void. When I perceived God out of touch and uninterested, when I seemed he, he was, had no compassion and no interest, I learned later 
I kept my trust and faith intact. I kept my hope intact, but I learned later that God was truly there when I deemed him inaccessible and unavailable and he didn't care and he wasn't interested in what was going on in my life, I found out later that he was there every minute, every hour of every day of that dark, horrific trial. And I learned when that trial was over that had he not been with me, I would not be here today. That's where you learn the declaration of dependence. It is interesting to me that when the crucifixion process began for Jesus, and how during those times he ministered to people. You don't, we don't preach a lot about this from the angle that we need to shout and dance and have a big hoorah for these miracles Jesus performed during his crucifixion process because it just doesn't seem to be appropriate. How can I rejoice over the miracle of Jesus healing the servant of the high priest's ear in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is in the darkest moment of betrayal? How can I, woohoo, Jesus healed this man? Or what about the time when he's dragging his cross through the streets of Jerusalem and women come to minister to him and give him water to drink and try to help him and he looks them in the eye and says, don't weep for me, but weep for your own children because there's a time coming that if you would listen to me, you would avoid it. But because you're not going to listen, I'm going to give you warning that a dark time is coming in your life and you're going to see that without me, you can really do nothing. It's interesting to me, and, and, and we do preach this, we mention it often, that when he gave, forgave the, for the thief on the cross, he forgave that man and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Again, it's kind of hard to rejoice all over that, over that because look what Jesus was going through. But at that moment, he looked so helpless. He looked so ineffective. He, he, he looked like... The thief, you, you could say you're wasting your time asking this man to help you do anything. But that thief quickly learned that today is my dependence day. I believe Jesus is wanting to tell some people here today you may perceive me to be distant and weak and inaccessible and unavailable but just call my name and see if I won't call you out of your grave you may perceive me to still be nailed to a cross you may not think about much when it comes to my resurrection so even if you perceive me to be weak and inaccessible and of no value call my name and see if I can't forgive you and I can't heal you. You have to understand, keep this thought in the back of your mind, Jesus saying that I'm the vine, you're the branches, and without me you can do nothing. Imagine that when he's being scourged by the Romans and they're, they're slapping him in the face, they're spitting in his face, and they've just crushed that horrible crown of thorns. The thorns were an inch and a half to two inches long back then, and they would 
put it on his head and beat it onto his head with a board. He did that. You perceive him to be weak, but I've learned through study and in my own experience that when you have mental things in your head and you have emotional breakdowns in your mind and in your, your chemical balance in your body, Jesus took that scourging. He didn't have to, but he did so he could heal and understand and be there for you when you're weak and when you're invaluable and when you're not accessible and when you're going through tough times that seems nobody on this planet understands. I can assure you today, if you would declare this a day of dependence you would be introduced to a God that understands every moment every hour every second of your life more than you can fathom because he's been places already that you've been and he understands how it feels he knows how it feels I know today that there's people in this church that are suffering from all manner of sickness and disease and I say that respectfully we prayed with somebody last week. We prayed with several people throughout this week that are just going through tough times. They're going through horrible times physically. And when you, when you imagine a Jesus at a whipping post and he's taking those lashes on his back, if you understood the consequence and how difficult and horrible that was when you see him, his knees Seemingly bolted to the ground, his hands tied to a post. As a Roman soldier has his way with Jesus back with that whip. And you hear that and you see that and you recognize that. And you say, how can he help me? But Jesus in that moment of weakness, in that moment of despair, in that moment of, in a moment of inaccessibility, what he was doing was telling them that I'm preparing for you a place of dependency, that there is nothing that can happen in your body that I cannot heal there's nothing in your mind and in your spirit that I cannot heal so while you look at me as no value and inaccessible if you'll learn to depend on me I can provide a miracle for you and oh my when he finally reached the top of Golgotha when Calvary finally became his last stop. They dropped the cross in the ground and heaved him up into the air. The nails ripped and tore and you know all of that. The blood poured out of his hands and feet. How can this man help me? I, I can't imagine how the disciples was trying to get their head around this statement watching Jesus go through all this stuff. I, how can we depend on you? What you just said back there, you know, yesterday, it, it doesn't make sense, Jesus. You're the vine, we're the branches, but now you're the one being cut off. You're the one that's that's dying here. We we have to go on with the rest of our lives with with all of our problems and our fears and our doubts and our discouragement and our weaknesses. We have to go on with our lives, all of that. But Jesus was telling them, I believe, if you can learn to depend on me through the times that you think I'm unavailable and I'm inaccessible and I'm weak and I can't help you in any way. If you can depend on me through that, then imagine what our relationship's going to be like when I resurrect. We know that 
He knew all things. We know that, that he knew all things. He knew that he would be in the grave for three days and that he would resurrect on the third. He knew that. But I'm not so sure the disciples understood it. I'll tell you why I think that. It's because the angel had to dispatch several women to go tell his disciples to come to the grave and see if it's empty. Had they believed it was going to be empty on the third day, nobody would have had gone and got them. I don't know what those three days was like with them thinking they were without Jesus. I do understand what times have been in my life in the past when I didn't think I had him either. When God had given up on me, you, everybody has had these thoughts. We, we all have that God don't care anymore and God's not interested anymore. And those are terrible thoughts to think. But God will design a moment. God will craft a moment. If you're sensitive to it, he'll craft a moment in your life where all of a sudden he just shows up. And that's what he did with the disciples. And I love how he does that. They were, they were locked into a room. They had the windows bolted and nailed. They had the doors locked and shut. That didn't keep him out. He just showed up. And there's people here today that you've experienced it recently. Some of you have told me about it. And I, I have to smile when I hear it that, Pastor, I was going through the toughest time. I wanted to quit and give up and all this stuff. And just out of nowhere, something happened. Totally unexpected. Something happened. Talked to a man this week that told me the most fascinating story. We both agreed that it had to have been an angel. I've had the, the moments in my life in my motorcycle accident uh, laying on the median in the middle of Florida Boulevard. A woman showed up and said, I'm going to take care of you till the paramedics get here. And she did. And, and she turned around and walked away. And when the paramedics got there and asked them later, who was that lady? And they said, what lady? I said, the lady that was taking care of me when y'all arrived. They said, we didn't see any lady. God just shows up and reminds all of us that no matter how far into a corner you go to try to hide and to say, I tried, but it didn't work. And so I'm going to move away from God. I, he, he's not accessible to me. He doesn't answer my prayer he doesn't hear me when I reach out to him, when I call out to him. He's, he's nowhere around. And all of a sudden, something just shows up in your life. And you're like, wow, where did that come from? There's, to use the word my mother used to use, there's gobs of people. I don't know what gobs mean. I think it means many. There's gobs of people here today that have experienced exactly what I'm talking about. There's people here today also with this testimony. I'm going to read it. If I was a singer, I'd sing it. But it's the words of a song that since the first time I've heard it, I've never forgotten it. I believe it was sung by Sharon Haygood a number of years ago, perhaps even back in the 70s. But she sang a song, the words go like this. I used to think that I could make it without Christ in my life. For many things I tried to do, they seemed to turn out all right. I had friends and family that meant so much to me. I said, Christ may be good for someone else, but for me, I just can't see. 
But then one day I was lonely, she said. Oh, so lonely. And all my friends were gone. And that's when I suddenly realized that I was all alone. Then I heard a voice speaking oh so tenderly. I'll be to you everything. Everything you'll let me be. So she sang this testimony. Now all I can say is, oh I need him like I never needed someone before. Yes, I really need him so I won't be alone anymore. I believe I'm talking to somebody here today that the words of that song kind of fits your life right now. It would be advantageous to you. It would be profitable to you. It would be to your advantage to declare this day my day of dependence. I'm not going to attempt to live a Godless, a God-free life anymore. I'm not going to attempt life anymore handling my own things, my own problems, my own challenges. I'm not going to uh, pursue believing that I can really make it without God, that I'm going to get past the deception that uh, maybe I'll get right with God later. Maybe I'll come to God at some point in the future when it's more convenient best decision I've ever made and there's lots of people here today that will back me up is when I declared in my life a day of dependence. Would you stand with me this morning? I concluded a long time ago, it was even prior to going into ministry I concluded a long time ago that I need Him, I need Him. As a matter of fact, it began around the time I was 16 years old when my dad passed away and It blew my world apart. It blew my family apart. I cried every day for about a year for untold hours laying on the floor with my dog in my arms. Went through a time where I hated God. Thought if God could be this mean and cruel and do what He did, I don't want any part of it. But I soon learned it was advantageous to me to make God my friend and not my enemy. And I could promise you it was one night laying in bed, God came to me. And I felt the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I got up the next morning. I've never been the same since. He came to me. He came. He came. He'll do the same for you. Had moments. I'll never forget the phone call that morning that said your house is on fire. We rushed out to it to find the fireman there just putting out the fire. We lived in the house six months and just built it. I found my dependency on God came through. But my son was 15, 16 years old and had an intestinal virus and the doctor couldn't find it. It didn't look like he was going to make it. He lost 15 pounds and went to the hospital that day and he was curled up in a fetal position. And the doctor said, we're doing everything we can. I remember being so brash to the doctor. He's such a sweet man backed him into a corner and I pointed my finger in his face and I said you better find something this is my son right here and you better find something I went home that night and prayed my heart out it just seemed like God was so aloof and really wasn't all that interested and wasn't really going to do anything and 
The doctor called the next day and said, we found out what it is. They treated him. He came home from the hospital and two or three days later. I've had those moments. I've been with people in those moments. I remember being with a family where their child had been hit by a car and ultimately died. I was with them in the waiting room of the hospital. I've been to these places a thousand times. I've watched people lose their moms and dads. And I've gone through all of this and all of you know it. And every time, every time I'm reminded of the value value of being dependent on Jesus in these times. Does He heal everybody? No. Does He perform a miracle every time you want it? No. But I'll tell you what He does do. He promises that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And whether you get your miracle or not, I will sustain you to the end of whatever your life does be with you every step of the way and if you're right with me I'll take you to a place that you can't even conceive how amazing as it is that's dependency we hear about people having dependency on drugs and alcohol and smoking and all that stuff and they, they it's because they refer to it as dependency they, they, they depend on it they, they have to have it they can't get to anything without it I've transferred all of that to Jesus and I'm glad to say in a very respectful term here today, but I almost, I feel like an addict. I just, I have to have it. I, I depend on him for everything. One more aspect of this that will change your heart of the service. But another beautiful thing that God has done is he established the church. And if I can't see God always the way I want to see him and feel him, I always want to feel him. I can show up at church and I see him hear it in their worship and their singing and their praise, their prayers. I hear God, I feel God even through you. The church is an amazing thing. It's a phenomenal family and I've become dependent on the church. As our manner and custom is here at Grace Church, as they begin to sing softly, we invite everybody, everybody to just come stand around the front just for a few moments to talk to the Lord on your own. Everybody's welcome to come. We don't bug people. We don't pressure people to do none of that. But everybody's able to come and just have a little family time with Jesus, whatever it may be. We want to do that right now, just to come and everybody come and just tell God I'm still depending on you. As they sing softly that, that God is, if I need to depend on you more, then, then talk to me about it. I just want to depend on Jesus. I want to learn to lean on him, trust him. Have faith in Him. I want Him in my life. I want Him to be a big part of my life. I want Him everything in my life. I want my family to know Him. I want my kids to know Him. Come on, Grace Church. Let's declare today a day of dependence, a day of dependence. Thank the Lord. Everybody's coming. Would you come to worship? Would you come to pray? Would you come to talk to the Lord? Would you come to talk to the Lord?
Everybody sing it. Come on, everybody sing it. Hallelujah. 